Uh, welcome back to the Secret Strength Podcast. This week, we are doing a podcast on warming up. And as with many of the podcasts for the last year, today's uh, particular focus is going to be for athletes who are like remotely based or training at home, um, not training with coaches or not training in a facility. We're going to go through first just generals of the warm-up, like what you want to hit in your warm-ups, why you want to hit them. This was a members lecture we originally did on Tuesday, so we're just going to expand on that. If you're one of the members and you're in the the group, just keep listening to this because there's some stuff we'll get into later on today that we might not have covered. So let's say you're doing your back squat, you'll have your general warm-up, which would last maybe however long, and then you'd move to your specific kind of warm-ups, which might look like... Uh, you're, you need to stretch your ankles and you do that and then you move to your warming set so that's kind of like the general scheme of things about how warming up usually works but that's not people skip a lot of that stuff and overextend some of that stuff and then people kind of you know rush a lot of the other stuff or overemphasize different things so we're just going to go through a little bit about kind of each of those stages and why the first one is the most important one is the one everyone skips <laughs> so the first one and what Gurf's talking about there is is where the warm-up gets his name. So warming up is commonly thought of as like, oh, if I'm a weightlifter and I'm going to the gym to do my clean and jerk session, most people call the warm-up like they do some like low-hang cleans. They might do like clean pull plus low-hang clean plus full clean plus push press plus jerk. But they've skipped the most essential part of the warm-up. And the essential part of the warm-up is... Uh, aerobic or cardiovascular based if you're in a gym you might be doing it on an air bike a watt bike a rowing machine a treadmill you might be jogging outside Uh, if you're training at home it might be a simple like calisthenic circuit so it might be air squats body weight lunges sit-ups inchworms and your whole aim of that part of the warm-up is to increase your heart rate is to increase your core body temperature so get like warm and start sweating and this will have downstream effects then so a few of the downstream effects and the more notable ones for strength athletes are the effect that this kind of warm-up will have on your joints people always complain like about oh my knee is sore but once i warm up it's grand or my shoulder is really achy i think of a shoulder impingement but once i warm up i'm okay And what you're seeing there is those effects of like an increased uh, core body temperature having downstream effects on your joints. Some of those effects are increased synovial fluid around the joint. It might be an alteration in the actual joint volume. So the just the the tissue around your joints can become more pliable. Uh, And then you have something called like biotensegrity. So basically the tension or the inherent tension that's kept around the joint due to the muscular structure. So biotensegrity around the knee will be controlled by hamstrings, uh, both of your calves and by your quads as well. So it's just the, the kind of tension that sits over that structure. I think so. There's a lot of kind of stuff, you know looking at like injury prevention or injury rehab and all of it's very anecdotal and that doesn't mean it's not a real thing you know but there's like we've mentioned it before in other places about the problem with injury science or injury studies is it's not an exact science yet and that's not for want of good research it's just such a complex issue you know it's one of the reasons why you can't diagnose someone online for example because an injury symptom might present itself as the same thing but the source of that injury could be multiple different things. You know, literally, it could be one of 15 different things for multiple different reasons. So when it comes to 
looking for definitive ways to prevent injury. There was a company recent, not recently, a couple of years ago in Ireland who were saying that they were, they approached one of our friends to do a study on injury prevention on this um, roller shitty thing. Um, anyone in Ireland will probably have seen it. They were on like national television and shit, little big ad campaign. And they were saying it prevents injury. And obviously our friend who's a PhD candidate didn't do it. Um, Arthur Lynch from Nullis Podcast, first podcast we ever did, by the way. So he was like, no, that's unethical. It's impossible to do injury prevention studies. Uh, they take decades and you just, no one does them because you can't do them, basically. So if you look at, um, you know, injury prevention science, the basically the only thing that most people would be very, very agreeing, would agree consistently on the experts would be that warming up is probably the only thing that seems to be, especially in the literature and anecdotally with people, it's the only thing that can consistently prevent people from getting injured so raising your core body temperature yeah you put touched on an interesting point there Gerf. the injury prevention studies and where companies get into trouble with injury prevention stuff like the classic case of that is the barefoot running shoes um so those like five finger vibrams huge class action lawsuit in the states not too long ago maybe in the last 10 years uh, where they were claiming that barefoot running, like that term, would reduce the risk of injury. The the blatant fact of it is that proving something can uh, reduce the risk of injury is almost impossible. So unless you have a group of 300 twins, so 300 sets of twins playing the exact same sport and within very, very kind of defined parameters. So it would have to be a really strange sport where everyone performs the same movement. So maybe something like synchronized diving where everyone is doing the same sequence over and over and over again or uh, speed climbing in the Olympics would be a good version because it's literally the same track. Everyone does the exact same thing every time. Unless it's a case like that, it's very, very difficult to be able to stand over a claim of reduces the risk of injury. Um, And that's where, yeah, like warm up basically seems to be the only thing you can do. You know, it's the similar lines of like, does a supplement promote longevity or whatever? Like you'll never know because you'll never know the alternative for, you know, we're talking about doing prehab exercises. You know, if we were, we did one on Monday in pay-per-view on Nordic hamstring extensions and uh, we talked about you know they were did they reduce the indicators of potential injury and uh they did you know but the problem with that then is you're kind of uh you, you don't you'll never know if it did something for you because if you didn't get injured then you'll never know if you were going to get injured or not if you did them or if you're going to in, if you stopped getting injured because you did them so that's the problem with a lot of that injury stuff but kind of back on topic in terms of warm-up like warm-up is that first warm up is the most important thing, most important warm up. It's it's far more important than any of the other ones because it sorts out a lot of issues and it kind of is all encompassing. So I want to, like, this has been a problem forever for athletes. Athletes are forever skipping it. Um, I've uh, we read this quote for the members lecture, so I think it's worthwhile reading it again. Right. So this is um, this is from a paper from uh, Corellin Ori Corellin. He was the effectiveness of the pre competition warm up. It was in uh, nineteen ninety. He was. Analyzing the warm up at the 1989, I think, some one of the USSR national championships, and one of the best weightlifters, probably the second best weightlifter, maybe top top three. Yuri Zakharevich was warming up, and he was he was doing a, a con- an in details analysis of Yuri's warm up, and the conclusion they came to basically was uh, multi year research of the warm up and weightlifting shows that is far from perfect. The general warm up is frequently ignored. 
the special warm up, which is what we're kind of talking about, but after general warm up, so the kind of specific stuff you do uh, is frequently. So the special warm up is transformed into the monotonous work of performing the classic exercises. So they've gone from skipping the initial warm up, doing the special kind of warm up, the stuff you do kind of specific to the exercise you're doing, um, ramming that into the actual sets and the warm up. Uh, so without clearly striking the boarding poses. Uh, so at the beginning of the warm up, many athletes lift the bar- barbell carelessly. So number two, the methodological weightlifting texts provide contradictory information about the methods of structure the warm up for training for competition. It's kind of you can kind of ignore that. <clears throat> Raising the effectiveness of the warm up increases to a great extent the training reliability, the percentage realization of competition intense, and will contribute to a significant reduction in sport injuries and damage to the musculoskeletal system. Um, so like that, that give you just an idea of like, even the most elite, some of the best athletes ever are prone to skipping what needs to be done, you know? So like too often we see people coming in, skipping the initial, what should take 15 minutes. People might do for eight seconds and I'm not joking. <laughs> They'll do like two or three seconds of actual warm up because it's kind of exercising when you come into the gym. A lot of times you're like, oh get going straight away like do you know if you come into a crossfit gym and you have your wads to do you're not going to do a proper warm-up you're not going to do 15 minutes in the rower if you have uh, half an hour wad you know so what happens is like people will come in they'll do literally 10 seconds a few like squats air squats right like literally 10 air squats not even 10 probably won't even get to double digits then they'll come to the second warm-up the seconds phase and they'll vastly overemphasize this so they'll start foam rolling they'll start doing half at, but it won't be foam rolling sore areas like it won't be foam rolling for example your achilles tendon which you have tight ankles if you foam roll your back you'll get a few cracks and then you'll just kind of lie there talking to your friends or looking at your phone you'll do that for like five ten minutes but that'll be your warm-up you know and then you'll go along and you'll get a band and you'll tie to the top of the bar and then you'll do some band distractions but you'll be kind of talking like and squatting down into the squat you know but you're not really <clears throat> you know you're not uncomfortable you're not sweating this isn't really a warm-up you know you're just asking around but you'll you'll extend that by 15 minutes so at this stage, you don't have a proper general warm-up. Your specific warm-up is so general, it might as well not be doing anything. And then you move on to your third part, which is the, uh, you're, you know, you're ramming all that then in to get actually warmed up. So when you're doing your training sets or whatever it is you're doing for that day, you end up having to do your general warm-up as part of your warm-up sets. So your warm-up sets are squats. You should be warm, fresh, mobile, ready to go. But in reality, people are cold, uh, not mobile things that are should be loose or tight and then they're using these sets then to warm up accordingly and they spend too much time then wasting energy and not warming properly and special assistance exercises just doing a bit of just fatiguing them for no benefit and then they get into the third part and then they spend too much time at lighter sets because they're not warmed up properly and then they end up being too fatigued for their exercise because they spend too much time doing too many reps and you kind of the more reps you do at a specific exercise the more you end up fatiguing yourself yeah i think like as somebody who's coached in gyms uh for a long long time and, and hung out in gyms for far too long before that the like the prolonging and the like the the assing around during that like i'm putting this in inverted commas but the specialized or the directed warm-up is what i might call it like you doing something on a foam roller beforehand as you chat to like the two other people who are like coming into class with you or the other guy who's doing weightlifting at the back of the gym you're doing nothing productive so what i would say for the vast majority of people is like look we all have like problem areas we all have certain aspects of training that aren't perfect and we might have to concentrate more on 
activation or stability or mobility before we do certain movements. Like the example for me would be if I was doing snatches, I would absolutely have to do some ankle mobility work beforehand uh, or it would be very, very beneficial for me. What I would say is identify those one or two movements for or like one or two exercises for each movement you have. So if you're a weightlifter, it'd be snatch, clean and jerk. If you're a powerlifter, just squat, bench and deadlift. Identify any specialist movements or specialist uh, pieces you have to do before training. I'll then be very, very specific with those and I'll fucking attack them. So I'll go into the gym, I'll hop on the rowing machine or I'll hop on a bike or if I'm training at home, I'll do like, as I said, like calisthenic circuit at start. You should be sweating, you should be out of breath, your heart rate should be significantly raised for 10 to 15 minutes. Then I'll pick one of those exercises and rather than me doing that exercise as I'm kind of like half watching something on my phone or scrolling through Instagram, I'm going to really, really be precise and be intense with that that exercise. So the example for me is like a barbell smash over my calves and then I'll do some static stretching in between. I want to be in a state of concentration similar to what I'll be out for my working sets and then I'll get into my my specific warm-up afterwards. So there's kind of, there's two benefits to this, right? So the first one is you, you should really spend a lot of time with your general warm-up. So if that, like for example, that paper, those elite athletes are spending one, two minutes in a general warm-up. So, you know, you're not the only one, you're not the only person. It's somewhat a human nature just to kind of arse around, basically. It's it's hard to be that diligent all the time, but it pays dividends, you know? So when you, you do your general warm-up properly, when you actually get warm, you do a little bit of intensity when you spend... 10 15 minutes actually warming up you'll feel a lot better so by the time you get to your special warm-ups you won't need to spend you know 15 minutes trying to stretch your calves because you'll have increased your core body temperature so your tendons muscles will be more malleable so it'll be easy to stretch them so you might not even need to stretch them half as much it'll feel a lot nicer when you stretch them so then when you go to your actual working set so what you're doing for that training session it won't feel like a piece of shit when you first touch the bar you'll feel good by the time you get to the bar so i make a point the last while is not touching the bar. So what I used to do was come into the gym and touch the bar first and do some sets. Now I make a point of not not even, not touching the bar, not going anywhere near it until I've done at least 10 minutes of a general warm-up. Uh, specific warm-ups are just stuff for my knees and hamstrings at the moment, but that lasts um, less than two minutes, I'd say, total. So then by the time I touch the bar, I feel fucking, you feel a lot better. So it's a, it's, a, it's in your own interest for training to go and do that first. So spend a lot of time in your general warm-up because you feel a lot better. So you feel good when you first touch the bar, so you kind of, you're switched on a little bit and you're like ready for that session then because you feel like you've kind of tricked yourself into being ready for a good session. So then when you start doing them, you don't kind of sloppily do your reps. So if you're doing your clean and jerk, your squats, you're not kind of half-assing your squats. You're not slowly easing to the bottom of the squat or the overhead squat. You know, you're doing them optimally. You're doing with force, you're doing with intensity and you're being very diligent about it. So you're kind of, priming the optimum like intra and intermuscular coordination you need for those lifts so first sets are good you spend a lot of you know you, you don't spend a lot of time as i should say at those lighter rates then because you don't need to you don't need to waste energy in time at those lighter rates yeah the like the comparison we were drawing is it's like when you go out to your car first thing in the morning and there's ice on the windshield 
the like the oil in the engine is like fucking glued together so you start up your car you start the engine you put like the heater onto the windscreen you allow that windscreen to defrost and for there to be oil circulating within the engine and then once you start driving that car down the road you can drive it as hard as you possibly want uh you don't it won't be like slow or sluggish most people and strength athletes are incredibly uh guilty of this is they will hop into the car and they'll do the barest amount possible to scrape that little a4 pad size of ice from the windscreen and then they'll start driving down the road and they'll be like oh fuck everything feels like shit the bar feels really heavy when i'm lifting uh or my shoulder's really sore but once i warm up it's grand and then it alters their movement patterns on the way up i think the last thing of warming up that we haven't talked about in this kind of directed setting is getting your mind right so warming up isn't just to do with like physiological cueing or like just the things that are happening within your body like your head has to be right for it as well so if you're going for a one rep max snatch session and you come into the gym and the first thing you do is start chatting to people and you're lying on a foam roller or you're kind of stretching but not really stretching or you're kind of in and out between these different exercises. So you might have a band hanging from the pull-up bar and then you kind of stretch on that for a while. And then before you even have three or four sets done, you move on to something else and you're going halfway from one thing to the other. Your mindset has to be set from the very, very start. So I spoke earlier about like bringing a level of intensity to a, a general warm-up. You need to bring a level of intensity to your concentration as well. So you have to be able to shut out adverse stimulus you have to be able to just sit on your box and do your job when you're in the gym um and that is a problem we've had with a a good few weightlifters down through the years is that they'll start training in a gym or they'll start training with certain people and they'll be talking as they're warming up or they're not really concentrating or rather than reviewing the last lifting session in their head as they're warming up and priming themselves for the lifts they're about to do they're instead watching other people lift or they're having a bit of crack in the gym you the last and like the most important part of that kind of middle phase of warming up is that your head starts to get right so then the the kind of next section of warming up would be so we've you know i hope you've really appreciate how important the general warm-up is because then if you go to the special warm-up so kind of you should really only spending as little time as possible in this so this should be so specific to you this should be incredibly specific to what your needs are you might not need to do much at all here so if you have very tight ankles this should be the time when you just do this you just focus on stretch your ankles whatever you need to do so this section should take of the whole warm-up it should probably take less than 10 percent of your entire warm-up on including some of your warm-up sets for example so you spend very very little time so if it's tight thoracic spine or mobility issues or whatever you know hit them you know too often we see and i think there's been a culture in some people's rounds because they've kind of realized the importance of a general warm-up and then they go from they don't really pay much attention to the general warm-up, but they've kind of realized that you need to warm up properly so then they go to the special assistance or special warm-up exercises and then they absolutely overemphasize these and they give a plethora of those exercises so you've like your primer exercises you know you end up with like five six different exercises there's semi-mobility drills there's semi-isometric drills there's semi-kind of pre-activation drills and like you're running through all of these and you end up with a workout in itself you know there's i, I won't say who it was but it was uh, we, were, we looked at one kind of <laughs> demonstrated one on, on the lecture and there was uh i think five different exercises in the special warm-up for 
back squats just for fucking squatting um this athlete uh was, was an american weightlifter uh, you know talked through uh, and and there was nothing wrong with these particular exercises I, I had no gripe about what they were but for your special warm-up or your special your your kind of specified warm-up we'll call it whatever you want to call it you know it shouldn't be taking a full workout it shouldn't look like on a piece of paper a full workout it should be i have really tight ankles compared to everything else so i need to stretch my ankles maybe you need to do some you know glute activation work or glute med stuff or whatever because it causes you pain if you don't do it so you know you you're very specific what it is you it's very specific to you because that's what you need to get done you know it's too often you could end up if you if you if you did for example what some people recommend you could end up with it 20 minutes of a walk you're massively fatigued before you get to your sets and yeah your technique might be you know four percent better but you're so fatigued you've wasted mental capacity and physical capacity by the time you get to the sets you know yeah absolutely um the like the my training vlog for this week is coming out this weekend right and i think the that session is probably a good example of where we can start and where we can talk about like the last phase then of um when you're actually addressing the bar and you're actually building to to working weight so it was like the session is like a front squat one rep max or like a heavy uh single on the front squat and then some sprint repeats afterwards with some bodybuilding in between so it starts off with like five minutes jogging on the treadmill and it's like walking like barely jogging like wearing like skateboard shoes uh jogging on the treadmill that's enough to get my heart rate up at the moment then it just goes into like some really really simple body weight exercises so i think it was like air squats front foot raised split squats all unweighted uh then i think i was doing some upper back work in between so like maybe loo raises and they're like really typical things i'll do for my front squat because what I really want to do or what I really want to emphasize is like I get good quad and glute engagement from the start and it will allow me to keep my positions much better. But then the telling piece and, and why I wanted to give this as an example is when you actually start doing the warm up. So it's the third section. It's when I'm now doing the movement that we're going to be doing. I start off with an empty bar. I think everybody is going to start off with an empty bar for everything unless you're deadlifting 400 kilos but to be honest i think everyone will still start with an empty bar so start with an empty bar do some reps just in flat shoes no knee sleeves no belts no anything usually i do like three to five reps of a front squat and then some strict presses afterwards just to help me get a bit more of a pump in my upper back and keep my front rack a bit tighter i'll then put on like 70 kilos same thing do some like maybe f- three to five uh, front squats again and then maybe do some push presses afterwards depending on how warm I feel a really common thing I'll do in between these two like in between the sets of very very light weights is like a loo raise or a rear delt fly and it's the same thing again just get like more blood into my shoulders make my front rack feel stronger when I'm unracking the bar then usually once I get to around 110 uh, that's probably the last weight I'll do in like flat shoes so I'll do 110 for a triple or a double. I can then go 110 to 160, which a lot of people won't like doing. But I'll usually just put on my weightlifting shoes, do 160 for a few reps. Then I might put on sleeves and a belt and I'll do 160 for like an easy single. And then I think I went 180, 190 after that. So there's almost no 
wasted time like the majority of my warm-up there once I'd gotten my heart rate up and I was actually warm the majority of my warm-up was spent doing actual front squats uh and I got a lot of practice in as well so for a single session that probably took 14 minutes to go from being fully cold to get up to a heavy single on a front squat um and then continuing on from there like I don't really warm up for the bodybuilding exercises my warm-up for the running is a small bit different um but that's basically it so for there's kind of people kind of think there's after we get asked you know how should you warm up for max attempts so there's kind of two different things you should do here first of all right so when you're warming up for a max as opposed to working set so when you're warming up for a max and strength movement so back squat deadlift bench whatever and actually this sorry this particular part goes for both of them if you're doing your snatch as well you do the exact same thing you always do if you're working up to your working sets you don't do anything different there's no bigger jumps there's no smaller jumps there's no special exercises there's no nothing changes you do what you always do because that's the routine you want to be doing you know so that's what makes you feel the most comfortable and what your body's used to that's what you do in a max attempt that makes you feel the most comfortable so but when it comes to say general sets in strength training so you would either have if you're going for a max or you're going for a working set so usually if you're for most of those right so if you're somewhere say around a 200 kilo squat you spend as little time as you can really at lighter weights but that's what the general warm-up was the general warm-up was to warm you up properly so you don't need to waste time doing extra sets of lighter weights because they fatigue you regardless if you feel like it's fatiguing you or not so then you know let's say you're under 20 uh 140 170 or something like that so usually what I recommend right is is you get to around 80 or 85 percent and that's the kind of place where you can start repeating sets and that's where you can start feeling out because that's the only thing the only percentage really where things start to get meaningful and where things will be a good representation of what the heavier weights feel like so 60 kilos isn't a great representation of what 200 kilos will feel like most of the time so if you're doing working sets at 200 kilos your max is 200 kilos usually around 80 to 85 percent of that is like the best place to start checking out and doing repeating sets so like you get to 200 your 200 is your working sets so you get up to 170 you can do like one to three sets of one to two or three reps at 170 to see how it feels and warm up a little bit more specific because heavier weights are totally different to lighter weights and uh, this percentage gets a little bit higher as your max goes up so if you're like not if you're like 250 or something like that it's probably look like 90 percent of that or 85 percent, maybe a little bit higher the higher end of the range <clears throat> in terms of like actual working sets yeah and then leading on from that curve as well as when you're doing working sets that are like five reps or 10 reps, your warm-up protocol is obviously going to be significantly different. And it's something that we, you'll get an athlete who might have like, classic example, the Road to Anywhere squat program, and they'll have five sets of 10 on week one and week two, I think, uh, at whatever percentage it is. And they'll have done like 50% of working weight for a set of 10, 60, 70, 80, 90. And then by the time they get to doing their working sets, they've like, 50 reps done of squats so they've already done the total volume for the day they've already done their warm-up it's important i think at one or two points in the warm-up if you're building up say if you're doing 10 reps at 200 kilos it's important that you're going to do 10 reps maybe at like 70 80 kilos in your first few sets then as you go on again you'll probably go up in like twos threes or fives you might then hit a set of 10 at 140 something that's not going to fatigue you too much but you can get into the actual rhythm of multiple reps understanding how many breaths you need to take just getting your head set for it then between 140 and 200 you'll do the same thing you'll do doubles triples 
uh, just making sure you can feel your way through the weight. Make sure you're very, very sharp and aware by the time you get there. And then doing your five sets of ten is no bother at all. So then if we move to snatch, clean and jerk, so high skilled movements, they kind of require a, a different template to warm me up somewhat. So these are the runs where it's kind of the opposite of strength training. There are just no amount of lighter sets you can do that will realistically fatigue you, especially in the snatch, for example. Clean and jerk's a little bit different, but not so much. So very, very lightweight, like sub 40% or 50%. You can spend all day doing there realistically yeah. in the snatch, clean and jerk. They're not going to fatigue you. Uh, it, in fact, it's sometimes it's warranted to spend more time there. So when you move on from those percentages, you start moving to 70, 80, 90%. A lot of times people will make the mistake at max weights because they'll lie to themselves and they'll say, oh, I'm going to take bigger jumps because I don't want to be fatigued for my max attempt, which you know is bullshit. You know if you're listening to this, it's, it's absolute <laughs> harshit. You know it's because you, you want to get to that max weight because you want to get it over and done as soon as possible. You want to get it done because you want to see if you can make it or maybe you're excited. But ultimately, people want to skip as much weight. So what you should do is, in fact, if anything, it might be worth taking smaller jumps than you normally would. So like, let's say you're warming up for a 100 kilo snatch. Um, you could literally do five sets at 60 kilos if you wanted five sets of two like you really want to warm up for it most people as a percentage of your absolute max strength you know it's very very little so it's not going to fatigue you that much and you know it's not going to fatigue you that much so then you can go like 50 60 70 80 85 90 93 97 100 or whatever like that you know but if you feel like for example you've kind of want to feel out the way a little bit more because if you take too big a jump in the snatch or the clean especially in the snatch the weight can feel massively heavy even by like two and a half or five kilos can feel massive sometimes in snatching so if you wanted to normally you went 80 85 90 you know you can go like 80 82 85 87 90 92 i have no problem with that you know and that displays good confidence as a lifter in yourself that you can make those and you know it'll give you even more practice and it's not going to fatigue you enough that it's going to affect your one rm no i think people are a bit um not delusional but people get a bit confused over when they feel tired after doing the olympic lifts like you have to put in a lot of effort and a lot of force but a lot of it is like cognitive effort and mental effort like you don't pulling if you have a an 80 kilo snatch you definitely have 160 or 180 kilo deadlift or most people will have a drastically bigger deadlift than that lifting the bar and jumping with it isn't going to tire you out that much so don't be worried, like Asgarf is saying, don't be worried to take the little jumps in between. Um, it's also a great way of getting more practice in and we constantly talk about the importance of reps above 80%, the importance of reps above 90%. Like you don't regularly get to go to these percentages, so you definitely don't want to rush uh, through those really, really meaningful sets. The last thing that I will put in on... Yeah, sorry there, I think we pause for a sec. The last thing I'd put in then on uh, warm-ups or the questions we commonly get around warm-ups is people always ask us about using static stretches and warm-ups and people have this like this notion that a static stretch during their warm-up is going to drop 30% off their one rep max or they won't be able to contract maxly after it. For the majority of the people, you're going to be doing your static stretching during that kind of middle phase of your warm-up. So you're still probably 12, 15 minutes away from your starting your actual lifts, like your working weight. And in most of the research, it's going to show that like that amount of time is going to have no effect on maximum voluntary contra contraction of the muscle. So don't worry about doing the static stretches. The static stretches are going to allow you to hit certain positions that you wouldn't be, ab be able to hit otherwise. They're also a very, very simple 
and effective method of us gaining a certain amount of range of motion. So if you take the example of like uh, quad mobility again, again, if I wanted to get my quads more mobile so I can sit deeper into a squat, a way I could do that is by loading up a heavy squat and doing like really, really slow eccentrics and doing pause reps with 100 kilos. That would really open up my bottom position, but it also means once I go and do my working sets, whatever that is for the day, even if it's like front rack reverse lunges, I'm going to be tired as fuck by the time I get to doing those because I've done so much work on the the mobility work prior. What static stretching allows us to do is without having to use up like the glycogen that's in the muscle, without having to use up all that energy, I can just sit in a stretch and gain a certain amount of range of motion without having to really exert myself. I think the biggest takeaway from today, and it goes for probably everyone watching, is so you've like the three phase, your warm up. The first part, you definitely need to <clears throat> overemphasize, spend way more time and it spends five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times more than you're currently spending on it. Then probably you need to spend less time in the middle. And the things you're doing in the middle are probably things you should be doing outside of training after training or different times of day more frequently and then you know the last set then is kind of you know something you start paying attention to start noting it don't drastically change it but start paying attention to how much it changes when you do overemphasize the initial part of your training and see what happens then you know yeah absolutely i think we should probably just finish up girth with an example of like people who are training at home um, because one thing they're going to come up against is like a lack of facilities or a lack of equipment that they might be used to when they're in the gym. So the classic example is somebody who trains at a CrossFit gym. They'll probably have access to like a rowing machine, possibly an air bike. They'll also have access to coaches who will bring them through warmups. So what I would say to those people is get out your notebook now. If you're going doing a weightlifting or powerlifting session, you need to firstly block off those three separate areas we talked about. If you don't have a cardio machine at home, what you're going to do is go for like a 10 minute brisk walk. And I mean a brisk walk almost above conversational pace. So it shouldn't be easy for me to maintain a conversation as I'm walking. I should be like striding it out. You should feel like your legs are actually working as you're walking. It's not just a stroll. So set a timer on your phone for like four or five minutes. Once that timer goes off, you turn around and walk back to your house. There are certain environmental factors that will affect a warm-up in ways when you're training at home that it won't be affected in a gym so the classic example of that is like girth training in a shed sheds are going to be much much colder than a lot of gyms now if you're used to training in a crossfit gym where it's like a warehouse you're probably well used to the cold but that extra few degrees colder can really influence us and we make that up by doing additional aerobic work at the start to make sure that body temperature is raised and to make sure we get all the positive downstream effects of that. Mine is um, A skips and B skips at the moment. <laughs> Sprint. We'll talk about that another time, but uh, there are some more uh, jumping jacks, yeah. you know, heel sass, like heel touches, fucking leg swings, anything just to start moving and keep moving for as much as your body as possible for as long as you can for the first 10, 15 minutes. And it makes all the difference. I promise you it would make a big difference to your training. Not only do you, you know, are you feel warmed up essentially, but you'll be a little bit more primed for the exercise. It feels like you'll be in better shape or you'll feel like you'll have primed yourself over a bit better than you normally would have for a session. So I would say it's definitely something you should pay attention to. Yeah, absolutely. And what I would say, like to follow on from that is you mightn't have access to the terabands and the 
lacrosse balls or the foam rollers that you will in the gym. So now is the time to like focus in on what's actually important. So you have a lot more autonomy now. There might be someone bringing you to your warm up. You mightn't be just copying what other people are doing. So write down the things that make a difference. You really kind of assess that list then and say like, all right, does it really make a difference? Or does it kind of just make me feel a bit better when I foam roll my back? Uh, then just be efficient with it. So if you're training at home as well and it's colder and you probably have less room, like you're probably training in a small garage, you don't want your body temperature to drop down hugely in between you doing an aerobic warm-up and you doing your actual working sets. So don't spend a huge amount of time in the middle. Besides that, everything else is pretty much the same. Yep. Thanks for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, guys.